Welcome to everyone, especially our returning college students. We are so glad that you're back in the area. And many that are here for the very first time, uh, let me encourage you, if you've come out and you are our guest this week, we want you to come out and be our returning guest for next week. And then the week after that. You know, because I know that you are, you know, if you're here for the first time, you're searching for a place that you feel like, well, I can receive and grow and and my life in God can become more than what it is. And you really need to be able to, to, to visit a place and be there for a number of times to really figure all, that, all of that out. I'm not saying to everyone this is their place, but for someone it is. And that may be you today. So I encourage you to come back. All right? Everybody get your bulletins out. This past Wednesday, I wrote a nice little blog here, Why Do You Do What You Do? That was going to be my sermon this morning. Friday and Saturday, I was working on that sermon. I was coming to the completion of my sermon when God speaks and says, that is not for this Sunday. It's like, well, thank you, Lord. (laughs) It was funny. The last time I shared, I shared a... Mass, uh, a message called The Matters of the Heart, Living from the Inside Out. And uh, I was kind of looking back on that while I was doing this also. And the more I looked back on what I was sharing, because that, that Sunday, we, it was a little bit different Sunday, and I never got to share everything. And the more I looked at that, my, just my spirit was being stirred up. I was getting excited about something that I didn't get finished sharing a month and a half ago, and I was not getting excited about that which was I was preparing for today. And I was I was questioning God. I said, God, why am I I don't have the same thrill in my heart for this message? And He says, Well, it's not for today. He said, I want you to go back and I want you to finish out that which you began back in. Gosh, it was June, the end of June. So, the, uh, the title of today's message is Living from the Inside Out. So, Jess, if you've got that, honey, you can just stick that right up there. There we go. And, um, you know, there, there's an, um, it's an amazing verse. I, I, I want to share this again out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, 29. We, all summer long, we have been going through a summer series and I want to let you know, especially those that this is your first time with us, we've been doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount called Mountaintop Excursions. And every Sunday we take a different excursion up to the mountaintop. And uh, we have a different person sharing about a truth that they have received and uh, have pulled out of the Sermon on the Mount. So we've had all summer long, it's been really, it's been really special because we've had different people sharing, Rifle and Nicole and Wayman and, and uh, myself and who? Jason. Yeah, Jason. And it's been, it's been amazing teaching. I mean, I, I'm sitting here on Sunday morning going, wow, why do I never, ever need to get back up? You know? <laughs> you know, after Nicole shared, I just said, shoot, man, I'm, just, I'm retiring. Okay. <laughs> but it, it, it's all been just amazing. And the fact is that chapters 
5, 6, and 7 out in Matthew are amazing chapters. You have to understand that what Jesus was preaching in these three chapters when he went up on the, the mountainside and he said he gathered his disciples unto himself and then the crowds also came had never been heard before. Never been heard. It was a brand new paradigm. Never been heard before. What Jesus was talking about concerning the matters of the heart, the attitudes, the modus of the heart, really uh, is the most important thing. Not so much the outcome of what you do, but why are you doing it? And it, it radically altered the people's thinking. So much, they said, at the end of Matthew chapter 7, it says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished. I mean, you know, astonished is pretty like, wow, that was amazing. Oh, my gosh, I'm glad that I wasn't at McDonald's that day, you know, type thing. I'm so glad that I heard this message. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Basically saying that their diet of teaching had been from the scribes, the Pharisees, and this was so radically different, it shook their world. Now I tell you, if it shook their world, it needs to shake our world too, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's kind of, I was thinking this morning, it's sort of like when Morpheus comes to Neo and he says, I have two pills. You know, I have two pills here. You know, one, take it, live life as normal. You know, but if you take this one, <clears throat> you will be, your whole life will be altered. Your mind, you will understand. And it's like Jesus is on the mountaintop saying, I have two pills this morning. I have the pill of the Pharisees and scribes. If you want to continue to listen to their teaching, you know, all about rules, all about keeping the law, all about focus on, 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 the, on your doing, trying to measure up, go ahead. But he said, I've got something different for you. It's called the kingdom. It's called the gospel. And he said, I have something separate, different for you, and it will blow your mind. It will alter your life. It will change everything that you know. That once you hear this, you can't go back. How many of you know that once we grab hold of the revelation, the truth of God, I tell you, and it alters your thinking, and it alters your perception of things, how many of you know you can't go back? You can't go back and live the way you did before and settle for that. Sometimes that's a scary thing because we don't know what God is going to reveal to us. So sometimes we keep God kind of at arm length. But how many of you know that uh, it doesn't last very long, does it? This, this message was so important for them to grab hold of, of God wanting you to live from the inside out. Not trying to fix things in life and to measure up. And for it to look shiny and good and, and all the ways that we normally live life and how the world lives life. But yet inside they're dying on the inside. How many of you were dying on the inside? 
things on the outside seemingly looked okay, looked like that you were a good person, but yet on the inside, man, you were dying. I know I was. And Jesus says toward the end of chapter 7, he says this, and it, once again, he says, he says, listen, he says, you've listened to all of these things, and you can go on and call me Lord, Lord. But he says, listen, that's not going to ensure that you're going to experience the kingdom of heaven. Because he said, you will come to me and say, Lord, well, didn't I do this? And didn't I prophesy? And didn't I do all these wonders? And I've done all of these things. And Jesus said this, which is so important. He says, you're going to have to leave because I never knew you. And everything that Jesus is talking about here is about intimacy. Is about knowing Him. Everything that Jesus lived was about Him knowing His Father. Everything that He demonstrated, He said, this doesn't come out of Me. It doesn't come from Me. It comes out of a relationship, an intimacy that I have with My Father. And it says, it says in this life that I'm living, He said, you are supposed to live the same type of life. That's why in John chapter 17, when he prays that prayer and he says, Father, the same oneness that we have had, the same oneness that we have enjoyed and have had since the beginning of time that was demonstrated here upon this earth, Lord God. Father, I desire that same oneness for those who are following me. It's all about that oneness. It's all about understanding. That's why with this, this, this conference coming up in two weeks, you need to be here. You need to make every effort. You need to save every penny. It's not, it's not costly. Listen, if you don't have enough money, come and see me. Come and see Pastor Rifle, Jason, one of us. Uh, and you say, listen, I want to come, but I just don't have all the funds. We will, we will make it work for you. You need to be here to understand the oneness that you have in Jesus. As I said here, and throughout this passage, Jesus begins to reveal the hearts of those he's talking to, especially to the religious. Begins to reveal their hearts and begins to show why they are doing what they're doing and it wasn't that great. Begins to reveal their motives of wanting to be seen, wanting to be recognized, wanting to, to feel important, whatever. And he begins to reveal that. And from the very beginning, when he begins to speak about concerning the Beatitudes, and we've talked about that a little bit, the Beatitudes. And if you notice the Beatitudes, it, 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 it's all about your relationship with God. It's all about in that relationship. The first four is concerning the attitudes that we've got to have as we draw near to God. You know, a heart that is that that is understands how desperate we are for a relationship with Him. How bankrupt we are on the inside. He calls it being poor in spirit. It means that we are bankrupt on the inside of anything that's going to bring life to us. We're bankrupt. We have nothing to give. Our tank is on empty. <laughs> there is nothing in it. And he, God says, if you, you realize that and that's the attitude within you, 
You come to me, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And he talks about having a, having a heart that understands your condition and being repentant of that and turning to Him and receiving from Him what you need. He says, you'll be blessed in that. He says, then, he says, in coming to me, having meekness and a humility within your heart, he says that that's within you of humbling yourself before me and understanding your great need for me. He says, you're going to be blessed. And then he says, listen, as you come to me, that you hunger and you thirst for me. That that attitude is within you. You're going to be blessed. And then he speaks the next, about the next four attitudes. And it's about once you have come to God, and once you've come into that place of intimacy, and once you have discovered this is where I live, this is where I live, in this place. I live nowhere else but in the presence of God. I make my home in God. That's where I live. Because that, and out of that place, I begin to live from the inside out. In that place, what I do then has great blessing upon it, has great effectiveness upon it. It influences, it changes lives from that place. And he goes on, he talks about the next four attitudes. He's trying to make us understand that there is a place that we live. And it's not around rules. It's not around the opinions of men. It's not around the, 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 the fact of... Uh, feeling important or whatever it is, that where we live is in His presence. And it's in that place that your heart gets changed. It's in that place that you begin to live in a different way. It's in that place that you realize that you can no longer fix yourself. You have run out of Band-Aids, okay? (laughs) And you can't fix yourself any longer. And it's in that place to realize that there is one physician, there is one doctor, There is one healer of my heart and healer of my life. There's only one. And I live from that place of habitation in Him. And that's where I live. That's where I live. If I come to you today and I say, listen, you know, uh, let me tell you about my children. You know, let me tell you about my daughters, about Anna and all about her. And I can tell you a lot about, you know, and, and... and uh, uh, and I, I show you pictures of them and and everything and uh, they say, well, wow, what what an amazing family and a joy to live with them. Oh, I don't I don't I don't live with them, you know. You know they're my family, but I really don't live with them. You know I, I've never actually lived with them. I've just heard these things, you know, that about my children or about my wife. I've heard how wonderful they are. They must be wonderful because that's what I've heard. I've read things that have been written down about them, and it's wonderful. But no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I, I don't actually live with them, okay? Now, how ridiculous would that be? How incredibly stupid would that be? But you know, that's how, sometimes how we live the Christian life. We don't actually habitate with God. We don't live from the inside out. Because of His presence being there, that intimacy that we talked about this morning, that being in that face-to-face place. We know a lot about Him. We hear other people talk about Him. 
we've read experiences and miracles and signs and wonders, and we know all of those things. But when someone says, well, tell me, how, how is it? How is it to, 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 to experience that with God and live with God? And like, Oh, no, I, I don't do that. But that's how many times that we live our Christian life, sadly. That's how we do it. And we miss out. Jesus said that you're not a part of me because I never knew you. You knew about me and you did a lot of things that seemed to be good, that seemed to point to the direction that surely you must know me, but I never really knew you. And this whole Sermon on the Mount is about the thing of knowing God. About the place of knowing Him. And so, the, the little bit of time we have left today, that's what I want to talk about. You know, if you have not read through these passages of chapter 5, 6, and 7, I encourage you to do so. We still have a few Sundays before this series is over with. And uh, then Duncan Smith is coming and then at the beginning of October, we begin a brand new series on the title is, Who Do You Say That I Am? Jesus posed a question to his disciples. He says, who do people say that I am? And then he looks at them and he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter, out of experiences with Christ and knowing him, says the thing that he says, that he is the Son of God, the Messiah. So we're going to do a brand new series on who do you say that I am. So, but let's talk a little bit about living from the inside out, okay? That's the life that God wants us to live. We're not living from the inside out. We're trying to fix ourselves. We're trying to change things on the external through better effort and intentions. We're trying to, to make ourselves better. We are, we are trying to change the things that are ugly in our life, but not really changing the heart, that's when you live from the outside in. And it just doesn't work. But when we live from the inside out, it's living from a place of intimacy. And that's what God has designed. This Christian life was not be, is not that God gives you a free ticket to heaven and says, hey, we'll catch up again once you get there. You know? <laughs> but you got your ticket yeah, you're going to heaven. Woo! You know, it's exciting. See you when you get there. That's not it at all, is it? <laughs> Jesus died for you and I that, that our lives would be transformed. Paul said that my life has been so transformed that it's just dead. And what, how I live now, I live by Christ. That He, He lives within me. That there is a, I live from a place, a seat, where I, I am living from the inside out. And all that I gain is because of Christ that lives on the inside of me. It's amazing the last decade or more, there's been just an outpouring of a new revelation of the Father's heart. Maybe even longer than that. You know, you, if you talk with anybody, you, 
you realize that there, there is a spirit over this generation. It's a spirit of the orphan that's upon this generation that has tried to rob them of their identity and who they are and that they are a treasure. You know, we were singing this morning about the alabaster box taken out of Scripture about, about the woman that broke open the thing that was the most treasure she ever had. It was her treasure. And she sacrificed that and she gave that and she gave it up. Why? That she began to realize that it didn't matter because now she was the treasure. In the eyes of Jesus, she was the treasure. So she didn't need something else to make her feel valuable or important or whatever. And she broke that thing open and she gave it to the Lord and she anointed the Lord with that alabaster box of perfume. When you realize, people, that you are the treasure, and that's what the Father heart of God does when you get a revelation of God's heart towards you, you realize that I'm the treasure. (laughs) And He chose me. He chose me. Say, God chose me. Say it again. God chose me. You are the treasure. You are the treasure that He found. And He he sacrificed everything. He sacrificed His life that He could have the treasure, which is you. And that treasure that He sacrificed for was not meant that you live your life on your own. That you come into a new dynamic, a new place, a new paradigm of living life. And it's out of Him. It's out of Him that you live life. I love this. I've shared this. uh, Why don't you go ahead and go to the next slide, Jessica. I've shared this quote many times, but it's so powerful. It's by a guy named James I. Packer. He wrote this many years ago. But every time I read it, I just, I'm floored with the truth that's found in this. And, it's, and it says, what matters supremely. When you think about what matters supremely, I mean, feel like that's probably important. The, just the title, what matters supremely. Well, I need, to, I need to look at this. What matters supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God. But the larger fact that underlies it, the fact that He knows me. It's powerful. See, that takes all the pressure off of you trying somehow to earn God, to know God, to receive His love. Because it's not based on you. It's based on His initiative in knowing you. It goes on and says, I'm graven on the palms of His hands. I have been tattooed on the palm. Every time he looks at the palms of his hands, what does he see? He sees you. You're never out of his gaze. You're never out of his vision, ever. That is amazing when you think about it. I'm never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me. And continues to know me. He knows me as a friend. Wow. Everybody say that. He knows me as a friend. Say that again. He knows me 
as a friend. There is tremendous relief. Now listen, listen to this. There is tremendous relief. Apparently we need this relief. <laughs> because apparently we get all sorts of goofed up thoughts in our mind that brings us down. So there's a relief that we need. There's a tremendous relief in knowing that his love for me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery can now disillusion him about me. Wow. You ever had that thought? You ever had that thought? Oh, Lord, he's found it. He knows this now. He knows this secret about me. God, how how disappointed. How dis oh he oh that ruined it. That did it that did it. You know. Uh, you know, that wonderful plan that he had for my life, that's out the window. It's gone. You know, it's been taken away from me. I am now disqualified. You ever had those thoughts in your mind? Yep. Seth has. He's the only one in this room apparently. <laughs> Never had those thoughts. <laughs> no. Man, we all have, haven't we? And it's those things that we need relief from those thoughts. It says here there's relief in knowing God knows everything about us. He has seen every horrible thing about our lives. He loves us. And so when anything that we mess up, we goof up, we get out from away from what his purpose is of living in a place of righteousness that he has bought for you and I on the cross. When we choose to live in a different way, God, God, is, God is not. That you know, blows up and that's it. Forget it now. I've been patient all this time with this person. I'm Forget it. He doesn't do that. It says it's with kindness that He draws us to repentance. I am so glad. It doesn't mean that He doesn't deal with the things in our life and says, I, you need to change. And the thing about it is that you can't change. I will help you. I will grace you to change. That's the amazing thing about it. Everything comes from Him. Woo! <laughs> Isn't that great? Everything he says, you go, i got to change, but it's impossible. I'll never change. He says, I know. You won't. You can't. But my grace is for you, provided, available for you, to conquer everything in life. Woo! I like that. That ought to put a smile on your face. <laughs> uh, okay. So let me... We've got 10 minutes. Everybody say 10 minutes. I'm going to say 20 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to say, these are some take-homes for you. I love take-homes. Don't you? Don't you love to? Yeah, listen, the other day we went to Caraba, Sydney and I did for our anniversary. And uh, 36 years. She is still my best friend. She is still my love. And we went to Crop and said, it was good, wasn't it, baby? Now, what was amazing was the dessert. They, oh, my gosh. 
They've got this fudge cake thing. Have you, how many of you ever tried? Is anybody in this room? You've got to go today to Carabas and just order the dessert, the fudge cake. Okay, come, come on, honey. It'll, it, it'll alter your world. I couldn't eat it all. Now that's, that's virtually an impossibility for me. But that day I could not eat it all. But you know, I got to take it home with me. Had it in my little container, styrofoam container. And I told the kids, don't even think about it. This is mine. The next day, all, it was Monday, was it Monday? No, the next day was Wednesday. All I thought about, the only thing I thought about was that takeout. <laughs> Woo! I mean, you know, it was just as good the day later. That was amazing. I think I'm going to go back today. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So, I got some take home for you, okay? about living from the inside out. One, you've got to desire it above all things. <clears throat> you've got to desire it above all things. That we see intimacy with God, a prize to be treasured above anything else. And we're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to have it. The thing about it is that you already have it. It's just making room for it. You already have it. It's been good. I love out of Matthew 13, verse 44 to 45. That, that we don't have that scripture, but it says again, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man finds it, he finds it and he hides it, and for joy over it, he goes and sells everything he has to buy the field just to get the treasure. Do you see your intimacy with God? As a treasure. You've got to see it that way. You'll never begin to live from the inside out. Until you see the life that he has for you and I. It's a treasure. Oh, More valuable than anything in the entire world. More valuable. It will give you the, it will give you the greatest wisdom. The most insight. Give you the the greatest healing that you've ever had. It will, it will bring greater freedom in your life than you have ever had. That treasure will. Now, Carabas fudge cake is good, but I tell you, it's not going to solve my problems. Actually, it may, may create problems for me, okay? But this treasure will solve every problem in your life. It's good. You must desire it above all things. Secondly, you must invest your life into intimacy. You must decide, it's the best investment I will ever make. Every time there's an opportunity for me to step in to that life in God, like Moses did, face to face with God, you take advantage of it. You take advantage of it. Monday evenings here, we have a time of intimacy, prayer, healing. You need to take advantage of it. You need to be here and take advantage of that. Services on Sunday, you just say, man, I, you know, I just can't miss it. I can't miss it. I've got to be there. 
I got, I, I've got to encounter God today. Now, hopefully that's the same your heart you have on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I've got to encounter God today one way or another. I've got to enter into that place of life, true life, Zoe life, where it's unlike anything else. And I will invest my life into that. Take advantage of every opportunity. Face to face. We've talked about, I mean, God kind of put in my heart during worship also. Face to face. It's that place where God shares the innermost parts of His heart with you. Face to face, like I say, it's an odd place. You know, when you come face to face, you really get to see, you go, oh my goodness, you have large pores. <laughs> People look at me and they go, you know, did you know you got a scar right here? Yeah, I know that. That's what happens when you run into the side of a, uh, of a mirror dodging a, a snowball. Uh, and you will split your head open right there. But you know, you get face to face. Everything is transparent, isn't it? It's in that place of transparency that true trust is developed. And that's why face to face is needed. We have a tendency not to trust just because of what we've gone through in life. For those that we thought we could trust and that trust was violated. And there's many of us sitting here today, you've gone through things of life. And I understand, and we all have gone through things of life where there's, there's deep hurt there because that you, you gave yourself in a trustful way and that trust was violated. And we have a tendency then to, to live life at arm's length, to live life, to, to keep people from hurting us ever again. We, 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 we put four walls around us and we, we think it's safe, but it's a jail. It's a prison is what it is. And God wants that face-to-face with you and I where He says, friend, let me touch that. Let me heal that. Let me begin to let me begin to help you to trust again. We have to. We have to. A couple things to also to take home. Dependency is not a crutch, but it's a lifestyle. <laughs> Dependency is not a crutch, but it's a lifestyle. The thing about crutches is that they're temporary. When I was in college. I was going down a flight of steps. So that's back in the 70s. And we wore these types of jeans. And they were called bell bottoms, okay? Some of those jeans, you could lose a small child in one of the legs of those jeans. They were so huge, okay? But I'm going down these steps from, I think, from an English class. And, uh, and they, a lot of these jeans had these huge cuffs on them. Yeah. Now, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but some of you that are the older ones here, you're going, I remember, you know. And I know you don't. <laughs> and you had these long collars, man. They went on forever. And I'm going down the steps, and I caught my tennis shoe in the thing, and I, and I tumbled down the steps, and, man, I, just, I knew immediately 
I knew immediately that my ankle was busted. And it just immediately went from about like this to it, like that. Immediately, it's like, oh, I don't think it's supposed to do that. I was on crutches for almost a month. Now, that crutch helped me temporarily, but was never meant that I would stay on those crutches. People will say, you know, Christianity is only a crutch. No, honey. You know, my life was, was worse than, was so bad, a crutch wouldn't help me. All right? I needed a transfusion. I was on the deathbed. I was dying. And I needed a transfusion in my life. A crutch would not help me. It was beyond a crutch. The thing about it is that our dependency in that place in God, that intimacy in God, is never a crutch. Never a crutch. Never temporary. God has meant from the moment that we enter into a relationship with our Father, we are totally dependent upon Him for the, every day of our life. I'm going to tell you, Paul said, I wouldn't want to live any other way. He says, I have recognized it that I am dead now, but Christ lives in me in a brand new life. I want to tell you, it is so much better. So much better. A couple other things here, guys, to take home with you. Just keep the image, fudge cake, fudge cake, fudge cake, okay? Guard your affections. All right? Guard your affections. Our intimacy with Him, living from the outside, from the inside out. The enemy will introduce all sorts of other affections into your life that you to have an affection for. You need to guard your affections. A life of obedience. Your life of obedience is your barometer of your love. Your life of obedience is your indicator, your barometer of your love life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. We don't have this on the thing. This is one of the, right before I left the house this morning, God dropped in my spirit. It says, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever keeps his word, whoever is obedient. Now we do have the Amplified. And look at this. I, I love this. I love the Amplified because it really shows you uh, the true meanings of the words. But he who keeps, who treasures, okay, we've been talking about treasuring this morning, his word, who bears in mind his precepts, his word, his principles, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him has the love of and for God been perfected, which means completed, reached maturity. By this we may perceive, that we may know, recognize, and be sure that we are in Him. I mean, there's, this is the red pill, guys, <laughs> that I'm giving you this morning. You can't say that I love Him, but yet your life is out of whack because of disobedience. It doesn't measure up. It never was intended that way. And you're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to be unfulfilled knowing 
that the very thing the Lord says, will you trust me in this? Will you follow me in this? Will you obey me in this? Because it will change your life. Change your life. Have you ever held on to that little thing that you thought was so important, so vital, so necessary in your life? And you finally opened up your hand and you looked at it and you go, oh my God, it's so ugly. It smells. Nothing beautiful about it. And you give it to the Lord and what He gives in exchange. It's amazing. It's amazing. Life of obedience. And lastly here, living from the inside out, you've got to fan the flame. Out of Second Timothy chapter 1, Verse 6 and 7, Paul is encouraging young Timothy. He says, stir up, stir up that gift. In other passages, it says, fan into flame that which has been put within you. Listen, God has put all of heaven within you. That's That's the amazing transformation. You lack in nothing. All of heaven has been given to you. It says it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is His good pleasure. He's not holding back. To say, well, I don't know if I can trust you to give you everything. It's amazing. He gives us everything. But we have to. We have to go to that place. We have to come to that place of life. We have to enter in. We have to see it as a treasure. We have to... To participate, we have to obey, we have to do all these things, and it will fan the flame within you and I. And I want to tell you, you will be on fire, on fire for the things of God, on fire for the things of God. You will be. I love in the, in the Message Bible, it says, as you do this, it will keep what is within you ablaze. I like that. All right. You got the red pill this morning. Okay? Just like on on that mountainside that morning, eyes were open forevermore. They couldn't go back and live the same way any longer. I believe that's why they were astonished. I mean, they, Jesus put it before me just like, oh my gosh. I mean, life can be like this. You know, when you live from the inside out and you live to a place of that treasure of the kingdom of God, it, it opens your eyes to realize, you mean, I can live life in this way. It's possible. It is possible. I want everyone to stand if you would. I have one question for you today. What Jesus has said, is this the life that you're living? Very simply, is this the life that you're living? If not, then why? Today, you can make that choice to say, Father... You live within me, but God, I have. It's like I know about you, but I'm living apart from you, and I don't want to do that any longer because I am your treasure. 
what you have for me is my treasure. There's a oneness, God, that I want to participate in. God, I want in my life. And I want to pray this morning, and if that's you today, and maybe you have never, ever stepped into this place of this type of relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And if that's you today, I want to tell you there's really good news for you because it's only a choice. It's a choice away for you to say, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to ask Him to forgive me of my sin. I choose to allow Him to become one in my life and for Him to live His life through me. I choose to follow Him. Maybe you're here today and you just realize, you know, I'm living for so much less than what I should be. And I want to change that today. I want to make a quality choice today. It changes right now. It changes right now. Father God, I pray this morning. I thank you for each and every person in this place. They are your treasure. You love them so much, Father. God, I pray that you, you've been speaking to our hearts today. I really believe that. God, I believe there was a reason why you said, don't preach this, God. This is one I want you to preach today. This is one I want you to share today. I believe there was a reason for that. Now, I may never know the true reason. I may never see the true outcome. But I believe today there are lives, there are people here that you need a change in your life. And you need to begin to live in a different manner. Live from the inside out. Live from that place of intimacy with the Father. It's available for you. All you have to do is say, Lord, I choose that. If that's you this morning, just between you and the Father, just in you know, the, the, the deep places of your heart, cry out and say, I choose, God, I choose that because you already chose me. I choose that today. If you have never made that choice ever in your life to have a life in Christ, to have a life in God, to have your life totally changed from the life that you know. You can choose that right now. Say, I choose. I choose that. I choose to have my sins forgiven. I choose to have that which was dead now become alive on the inside. I choose to walk into a place of being born again. I choose to have a relationship with the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. To have the infilling of the Holy Spirit in my life. That He would fill me, baptize me. I choose that. And I choose to live from the inside out. Father, I thank You today, Lord. Thank You today, God. That all that we would take home, what we've shared... God would remain there and remind us all day long of what we've heard this morning. God, that we would just chew on it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Let me invite our prayer minister.